Well, I want to turn to God's word now. And our reading is from the book of Proverbs and uh, chapter 9. The book of Proverbs and chapter 9. And uh, while you're finding that, it's roughly in the middle of our Bibles. But while you're finding Proverbs chapter 9, let me just say that the book of Proverbs is uh, a most important book in the Bible. It's one that all children and young people should read regularly. Today is Mother's Day, isn't it? Well, listen to what Proverbs says about mothers in Proverbs 1 verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. That's a Proverbs 1 verse 8. So there we are, children, sons and daughters, are to listen to what their fathers teach them. But not just their fathers, they're to listen to what their mothers say as well. Uh, and because the mother's teaching and the father's teaching are going to be something that will adorn you and grace your neck, as it says, it will guide you in life. And something else about mothers, here we are, Proverbs 10, verse 1. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. There's a lot in that verse, isn't there? A wise son brings joy to his father. I'm sure he brings joy to his mother as well. But I'm sure the father is very joyful uh, when he sees his sons and his daughters living their lives as they should, in great wisdom, following after the ways of God. But a foolish son brings grief to his mother. I'm sure it's also true that mothers feel the grief of children who go astray far more than fathers do. Generally speaking, I say. But there we are, lots in Proverbs about mothers and fathers and children. We're going to read chapter 9, chapter 9. So on this Mother's Day, I hope you children have remembered your mothers and, uh, and will seek to show your appreciation to them in every way you can. We're going to read chapter 9, though. This is Proverbs chapter 9. I'm reading from the NIV in the 2011 edition. There are some alterations here that I think are very helpful. Proverbs 9 and verse 1. Let's hear the word of God. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple Come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. 
she sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way, let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. We thank God for the reading of his word. Well, let's turn to uh, God's word, uh, to Proverbs 9, and let's uh, consider the message that we, we hear there. It has been an interesting week, hasn't it? All sorts of things have happened to make us think. We're all, whether we're young or old, living in a world where so many different voices compete for our attention. Sometimes opinions will be split, and that certainly has happened this week, hasn't it? We had the the interview that uh, the Sussexes did, Harry and Meghan, uh, they chose to appear on a, uh, on a show with a, a chat show host in, in America, didn't they? And then it was broadcast in this country as well. Uh, and then we had a response of sorts from the royal family. And then we also had uh, someone else shipping in publicly, didn't we? Piers Morgan uh, having his say. I, I guess we could ask the question, who do you agree with? Where do your sympathies lie? Whose opinion do you go with on a situation like that? And I guess that we're split. I think a lot will depend upon which culture you're actually living in. I think many who are younger people uh, will probably be very sympathetic with uh, Harry and Meghan. And to a certain extent, we might be very sympathetic with their, their view and those who are older might well err more towards something like what Piers Morgan was saying. And then we've got the royal family saying, well, they're going to try and deal with this silently and, and quietly and privately as a family. So probably our opinions are going to all be split. But that's not really the question that I want to ask. The question I want to ask is, is who's behaving wisely? Because that's quite a different question, isn't it? Who is behaving wisely in the situation? Where is wisdom? Is it wise to bear your soul and to tell everybody how you feel and what other people have done to you? Maybe it is. Is it wise to say, well, we're not going to answer these things. We're going to try and deal with them in private. Is it wise for someone who's quite detached from the situation to actually publicly say what their opinion is? I guess if we start thinking about it, there is wisdom and folly on all sides, isn't there? But you see, in the Bible, we have an awful lot written about wisdom and about folly. The book of Proverbs is all about wisdom and folly. And they are both present in this world. And we hear their voices all the time. The voice of wisdom and the voice of folly. We hear them in television interviews. We hear them in political debates. You hear them on soap operas, on Twitter feeds, Facebook posts. You hear them in conversations in the schoolyard, in magazine articles, and even television adverts and and films. There's always a message. There's always something being said to us. There's always a voice 
And that voice is saying to us, this is the right way. This is how you should think. This is what you should do. Well, the book of Proverbs should be essential reading for every one of us because it deals with the sort of things that we hear and how we should respond. It should be essential reading for every believer. But often it's quite a neglected book in the Bible. So today I want to redress that just a little bit and to have a look at chapter 9. Because in chapter 9 we have a great summary of everything that's been said in chapters 1 to 8. Chapter 9 finishes a great section of the book of Proverbs. And in that sense, it's a very good place for us to go. So what does it tell us? Well, first of all, it tells us that both wisdom and folly call to us in this world. Both wisdom and folly will be calling to us in this world. You see, wisdom is mentioned there first. Wisdom has built her house. But then later on in verse 13, folly is an unruly woman. So so in, in this chapter, wisdom and folly are pictured as two women. And they're both calling to us. What is wisdom? Well, in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, and in many other books of wisdom in the Old Testament, wisdom is more than intelligence. It's not just being clever. You can be very, very clever and incredibly foolish. Equally, you can be quite ignorant of a number of things in the world and actually be incredibly wise in the way you live your life. So it's more than intelligence. It's more than knowledge as well. It has a sort of moral quality to it. It involves being essentially good in your heart and following the right pathways in life because you're being led by the truth. So wisdom will include knowledge, understanding, instruction, discretion, and obedience to the ways of God. Find all of that out in chapter 1 of Proverbs. So that's what wisdom is. What is folly? Well, folly is the opposite. Again, it's more than just ignorance and stupidity. Again, folly has a moral quality to it. It involves following the bad ways and the wrong ways in life. It means following the ways that are dangerous because they're false in the end and they lead to evil. It is the exact opposite of wisdom. So folly is ignorance, it's a lack of knowledge, it's a rejection of understanding, it's indiscretion, and it's disobedience. But as you can see in this chapter, both wisdom and folly give exactly the same invitation to the same people. So we find wisdom, for instance, and here she is in verse 4, let all who are simple come to my house. But what does folly say? Well, in verse 16, let all who are simple come to my house. So they're both giving exactly the same invitation to the same people, people who are simple. What does that mean, to be simple? Well, it means to be naive or uninstructed. It means to be someone who hasn't really thought through carefully the things of life, someone who is unenlightened, really. And they also call out from the same place. That's interesting, isn't it? You see, 
that uh, verse 3, wisdom, she has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point in the city. So that's where wisdom is calling from, the highest point in the city. Where does folly call from? Well, again, we find verse 14, she sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city. So we are going to find these voices in exactly the same place. In this world, in this culture, where you and I have to live and where we move every day, we're going to find wisdom and we're going to find folly calling out. That means that it can be very difficult to discern the right way to live. We need to look further than the popular ways of thinking. We mustn't immediately adopt the ways and thoughts of the culture around us. We mustn't immediately say, well, I'm going to just think the way that most people think, or or even to say, I'm going to think the way that most people of my age thinks. That is a very dangerous thing. It's dangerous if you're young to say, well, I'm just going to think how all the other young people like me think. We all think this. But it's equally dangerous to say, well, I'm of a generation where everybody thinks like this, and so that's how I think. That's a terrible thing to do. You're not really following wisdom there. You're really actually following folly. So wisdom and folly both call out to us in this world. The second thing that we learn from this passage is that wisdom invites us to a banquet of good life and of good and life-giving truth. I'll say that again. Wisdom invites us to a banquet of good and life-giving truth. So there are some clear differences, you see, between the call of wisdom and the call of folly. First of all, we learn that wisdom has very carefully prepared everything for us. There is enormous preparation here. Wisdom has gone to great lengths to prepare what she has for you. She obviously has a very large house. It's got seven pillars. That speaks of sufficiency in a house that's big enough to accommodate everybody who wants to come. And then she's also prepared her meat and she's mixed her wine. So she's got food and drink ready for us. We're told that it's mixed wine. That means that it's diluted wine, not strong unmixed wine. We're warned against that later on in the book of Proverbs in chapter 20 and verse 1. Wine is a mocker and a brawler. So we see that in the Proverbs, we even have a distinction between the the strong drink that's going to make you drunk and also the diluted mixed wine, which will be good for you. So even in this, uh, the book of Proverbs gives us such wisdom. The table is set. The table is ready. And the servants are sent out to give their invitations Doesn't that remind you of Jesus' parables of the wedding banquet where the king sends out his servants and says, come to the banquet, everything is ready. Well, that's what wisdom says. I've prepared everything, it's all ready. All you have to do is to come. And so we have this invitation. After all the preparation is made in verses 1 to 3, we've got a wonderful invitation. And wisdom calls out to everybody who passes by, all those with no sense, simple people. That's you and me. We, we lack any sense, really, because sin has blinded us. Because we're all sinners, our, our eyes are blinded to the truth. And we are ignorant of the things of God. So wisdom calls out and says, come, come to me, come to me. And we're all invited. 
Let all who are simple come to my house. Just as Jesus says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. So wisdom says, anyone, anyone who wants to can come to me. And then there's this wonderful promise, isn't there? If we come, we are promised that we will receive life and insight. Life and insight. There we are, verse 6. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. What is this call of wisdom? Well, it is the gospel call. That's what it is. It's the call of the good news of Jesus. Jesus calls us all the tumult of this world wild, restless sea. Day by day, his sweet voice sounding, saying, Christian, follow me. If we accept the invitation, we will find life. That's what wisdom says. If you accept my invitation, you will find life. And so when we accept the invitation of the gospel to come to Jesus, we will find eternal life and we will find spiritual understanding of everything that it is possible for us to know while here on earth. Everything that it's possible for you to know about God, about yourself, about life and death and eternity Everything that you need is provided if you will just come according to the gospel call and if you will come to Jesus. And wisdom to live here as well as wisdom to live for the glory of God will be given to you as well. So wisdom invites us to a banquet of good and life-giving truth. But folly is also calling to us. So the third thing that we need to find out from this chapter is that folly invites us to a meal of deceit that leads to death. Folly invites us to a meal of deceit that leads to death. The call of folly sounds so similar, doesn't it? So very similar to the call of wisdom. But this is where you've got to listen carefully to where the invitation is coming from. Who is it who's inviting you? Jesus calls you all the tumult of this wild, earth, wild, restless sea. Yes, he does. He calls you to come to him. There is wisdom there. But folly also calls you with a thousand voices saying, come this way. Don't worry about Jesus. Come this way. Live this way. This is the way to live. Well, let's have a little examination, shall we, of the call of folly. First of all, there's no preparation at all. Folly hasn't prepared anything at all. She's just sitting at the door of her house. She's an unruly woman. She's a disorganized, ignorant, clamorous, boisterous, loud woman. So much of the world's wisdom, in inverted commas, so much of that is loud and boisterous and ignorant and clamorous and disorganized, isn't it? There's no thought, there's no preparation in the voice that calls us, come this way, do this, this is what you should think. Hold on a minute, we should say. Where's your preparation? Have you really thought this through? Folly doesn't think about anything at all, really, other than enticing people in. She's made no preparation to feed you with good things. In fact, what she has got, she's stolen from someone else in order to give you. There's no preparation there. 
It's actually an empty invitation. She invites you to come and to share with her what she has stolen. Stolen water is sweet, she says. Food eaten in secret is delicious. She invites you to come and to share with her what she has stolen from someone else. It's water. It's not wine. It can never satisfy you. The food has to be eaten in secret. Why? Because actually it's forbidden. If someone finds out, then, oh, it's all going to be blown out of the water, isn't it? This deceit that she has. Because in the end, it's a deceitful promise that she makes. She promises that the water that you taste will be sweet and the food that you eat will be delicious. But that is a lie. The reality is that you'll be joining in a banquet of the dead. There's only spiritual death in her house. What does all of this mean? What does it mean? Well, this is the world speaking. It promises satisfaction, but it delivers only emptiness and death. That is something that the Bible tells us again and again and again. If you go the way of the world, if you ignore Jesus Christ, if you ignore the gospel message, then whatever you choose will never satisfy you. It can never satisfy you. In the end, it is deceitful. It will promise you the world, but you will receive nothing at all. The wisdom of the world is foolishness. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 21. The wisdom of the world is foolishness. Why? Because it does not know God, who is the source of all wisdom. The wisdom of the world is a sham. It's stolen from the truth. And it's twisted in such a way that it can never actually deliver life to you. Everything that the world says is only like a half-truth. There are things that the world says to you and you can think, hang on, that sounds almost right. Of course it sounds almost right because it's stolen from the truth and it's twisted and turned in such a way that in the end it it means nothing at all. It can never actually give you life. Just take one aspect of wisdom from the world. On the whole area of love. Now, The world promises you satisfaction without the love of God. And that can never satisfy you. Yes, there is love of a sort in the world, isn't there? There is love that the world encourages you to, but it excludes the love of God. It says you can experience true love, but you don't need to worry about what God says or even even encourage you to follow his love. Again, the world promises you love and satisfaction outside of marriage with a lust that can be experienced in any form whatsoever, in any type of relationship that you should choose today. It says that will satisfy you, whatever you want. You can be satisfied, a same-sex relationship, an adulterous relationship. Oh, if it's love, it's fine, isn't it? But that is a lie. And the same is true of everything that the world offers. Not just love, but intellectual satisfaction, entertainment, physical fitness, relationships, ambition, music, literature, education. The world offers you all of these things and says you can have all of that and it will really satisfy you. But the truth is it won't. 
because it offers all of those things excluding God and his ways. And so it's all stolen. And it promises a sweetness and a fulfillment which can never happen. And that is what Proverbs is warning you and me against. It says don't waste your time going that way because it will never satisfy you because it's stolen, it's deceitful, and it's folly in the end. So wisdom invites you to a banquet of good and life-giving truth. And folly invites you to a meal of deceit that leads just to death and destruction. Which way are you going to go? Let's dig just a little bit deeper. Because the way of wisdom is demanding but life-giving. Why do so many people choose folly? You might say, well, yeah, most people go that way, so it must be right. If most people live like that, I'm no different from anybody else around me. You know, we all just hope that we'll live our lives in the best way we can, according to our wisdom. And then at the end of our lives, well, we hope that if there's a heaven, we'll go there. We hope that if there's a God, he will accept us. We all hope that. Of course, everybody at a funeral hopes that someone's gone to heaven. But it's a vain hope, isn't it? Because what we've done is we've followed the way of folly throughout our lives. We've never really made the effort to find out the truth. Because the way of wisdom is demanding, but it is life-giving. As Jesus says, a broad gate and the broad way lead to destruction. And many go through that way. Why? Because it's easy. We're blinded by sin and we're blinded by self and we just follow the crowd and we say, well, this must be the right way to live. But the way of wisdom is hard. See what she says. She says, leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Verse 6. There's something you've got to do. You've got to leave your simple way. You've got to walk in the way that is right. And following the way of wisdom is going to mean effort and determination. Again, Jesus says that we must deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. We must believe and we must repent. We must leave our old ways. We must turn around. It's far easier, isn't it, to go on in a wrong way than to turn back and admit that you've been wrong. And the longer you go on in life, the harder it becomes. Someone who's in their teens or their 20s will say, well, okay, I've got it wrong. I realize I've got it wrong. I've got to admit I've been following the wrong paths. I see now that Jesus Christ is the right way to go. And they'll turn around. That's not easy, but it can be done. When you get to your 40s, 50s, 60s, And suddenly you've got to say, I've been living a lie. I've been living the wrong way. I've been going in the wrong direction. How hard it is to turn around at that point. How difficult it is to repent. You're saying all of my life from this up up to this point has been wrong. I've been following the ways of folly. That's hard. But it must be done. 
so much easier, isn't it, to go on in a wrong way than to turn around. How many of us have gone on and on in a wrong direction because we're too, too stubborn and foolish to admit that we've got the wrong way and we've got to turn around and go the right way. But the way of wisdom leads to life. And we need to. We need to change track, to change roads. We need to go the right way. We will find eternal life if we do. Again, as the Lord Jesus says, small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Matthew 7, verse 14. So the way of wisdom is demanding, but it's life-giving. It's a way to life. Yes, you've got to turn around. You've got to admit that you're wrong. You've got to go in this different direction in your life. You've got to leave your old ways. You've got to repent of your old ways, and you've got to turn around and start following Christ. But it is the only way to life. So how do we find this wisdom? And this is the last thing that I want to give you today from this chapter. Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus is the beginning, middle, and end of wisdom. Christ Jesus is wisdom. The book of Proverbs is built on the great truth that wisdom is gained by hearing about God, by understanding the truth about God, by fearing God, by knowing God, and by receiving wisdom from God. All of that you will find in the book of Proverbs. That is the way to wisdom. It is all about God. Verse 10 of Proverbs 9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many. It is knowing God that will bring you into the way of wisdom. The only way to receive wisdom is to enter into a relationship with God whereby you fear him, you are in awe of him. But not only that, you are redeemed by him. You are bought back by him. You belong to him. You are welcomed by him into his family. You truly know him, not just as a God who is to be feared rightly, yes, but also as a father who loves you. How are you to find this wisdom? How are you to enter into this relationship with God. How are you to know the Holy One? Well, listen to the New Testament, Colossians 2, verses 1 to 5. Little book of Colossians in the New Testament and verses 1 to 5. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you want to know God, if you want to know the mystery of God, 
It is a mystery that's been revealed. It's Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 21. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And you know, the wisdom of God is seen most clearly at the cross of Calvary. When folly looks at the cross, it sees only defeat and failure. But when wisdom looks at the cross, it sees the wisdom of God there. It sees salvation there. It sees satisfaction for our sins and our guilt. It sees that it's at the cross that we might know God. And if you would be wise today, you must start at the cross. And you must see your Saviour there, dying for your sins, revealing the wisdom of God, how that God can make a way of salvation for you. He can remove the stench of your sin and remove the curse of your sin from his face, for he is a holy God. It is at the cross that you will find the knowledge of the Holy One. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Where do we find this knowledge of the Holy One? Only at the cross of Christ. Only there where the Saviour died for you. Only there where one who loved you enough to give himself for you and to make you right with God. That's all. That's the only place. So we're left with Jesus' words, aren't we, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. There are two ways to live, and only two. You can be wise and build your life on the teachings of Jesus. If you do so, you'll be building on the rock. You will know God, and you'll be safe when the day of judgment comes. When the real test comes and the wind blows and the rain falls and batters against your house, you will be safe because you're built on the rock, says Jesus. That's the right way to live, building on the teachings of Jesus, trusting in him, knowing him. That's the way of wisdom. Or you can build your life on anything else, but it will all prove empty and foolish on the day of judgment. For when the storms of God's wrath come, they will destroy everything that you're building because you're not built on the rock of Jesus. So wisdom calls out to us again this morning. And folly is calling out all around as well. And who are we going to listen to? And whose invitation will we accept? I urge you this morning to accept that invitation of wisdom, of the gospel, of Jesus Christ, who says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. All the treasures are in him. So, what's it going to be? Are you going to listen to the world? Are you going to listen to Jesus? Listen to Jesus. There is no more safe and sure and solid way to live your life than by knowing Christ. And there's no other way to know eternal life than in him. Well, may God bless his word to our hearts. Let me finish by just reading a hymn to you. 494, 494 in our Christian hymns. How vast the benefits divine which we in Christ possess. We are redeemed from sin and shame and called to holiness. Tis not for works that we have done. These all to him we owe. 
but he of his electing love salvation doth bestow. To thee, O Lord, alone is due all glory and renown. Ought to ourselves we dare not take or rob thee of thy crown. Thou wast thyself our surety in God's redemption plan. In thee his grace was given us long ere the world began. Safe in the arms of sovereign love we ever shall remain, nor shall the rage of earth or hell make thy sure counsel vain. Not one of all the chosen race but shall to heaven attain. Here they will share abounding grace and there with Jesus reign. Let's pray. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.